All right, we're live and we're rolling, and this is The Real Venture. I'm your host, Peyton, joined by my cousin and business partner, Luke. And Luke and I are entering into the business world by starting a few companies of our own. So we decided to create this very podcast as a platform so we can ask other successful entrepreneurs the questions we need answered in order to help our businesses grow. Every single week, we are joined by CEOs, venture capitalists, artists, co-founders, and influencers, all with one thing in common, they're young entrepreneurs. The only thing I'm gonna need you to do is hit that subscribe button so you never miss a conversation. Every single Wednesday, Luke and I will be right here and we can't wait for you to join us. Today we're joined by Emily Williams, who is the founder of MED Charcuterie. MED Charcuterie is a business based in Austin, Texas, where they make uh, various different kinds of charcuterie boards and also host workshops for large social events and gatherings. It's a really great conversation around how her business got started and really began to flourish during COVID. But, you know, I don't want to go into too much detail about it because she's about to do a really great job. So let's check it out. All right. So, Emily, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the pod this week. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me. This is exciting. Um, so my name is Emily Williams. I'm a lifelong Texan. I grew up um, about a, an hour south of Austin. I graduated from Texas A&M University and I majored in agriculture business, which I'm not using at all. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm in the business world, so that helps. But as far as like the side goes, um, it was really fun. It was a fun major and I learned a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm not really using it as much as I thought. But uh, I moved to Austin in 2017. I started working for a staffing company for a while, realized that wasn't my thing being a recruiter. Um, and so then I moved over to Oracle selling software for the past three years. So that's my corporate full time job. Um, I really enjoy it and I uh, have a great team, awesome flexibility, perks, etc. But I guess it's not like my true passion. So that's kind of where MED charcuteries come in. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you, you know, start off by telling us a little bit more about MED charcuterie? Sure. Um, yeah, it's a locally owned cheese board delivery service and charcuterie board workshop company. Um and it's also a social media outlet. It's kind of become that way um, for food styling, inspiration. Um, but really, it kind of it was my side gig, you know, with my my corporate job and everything. I started on the side as a passion project type situation, um, and now it's turned into a full blown business. So it's been really fun. I, I really enjoy food and wine, and so um, that's kind of where it stems from. Yeah. So how did, how did that, how did this start? You know, you, you talked about it being your passion, but like, you know, when did you kind of decide that, Hey, maybe this is a business? Well, so I feel like a lot of stories right now are starting with like with the pandemic and that's how my, my story is no different. I, um, was in my apartment and I lived alone for a while. I was working from home, obviously. And there's a few of my friends in my same complex, thankfully. Uh, we started having picnics and I would bring like a spread, a full spread of food. And I was like, oh, like, I'm, I guess I'm okay at this, you know? Like I'd been making boards and stuff for my friends and family for years. My family's kind of instilled that love of entertaining, first of all, food, and then also entertaining others and me. And so, 
that just came out during the pandemic where we would have these picnics and I would just bring this like full spread of food and they were like, you're kind of good at this. And I was like, well, I have extra time on my hands, so maybe I can sell these boards. I don't know. So that's kind of where it, where it all transpired. Yeah. So you kind of figured out that you were, you were pretty good at this. Um, yeah. and you know, the idea kind of popped into your head that, Hey, maybe I can start to sell these. What was that transition into the business world? I mean, did you have any previous knowledge of it? Did you immediately know exactly what you were going to do, what your supply chain lines are going to be, how you're going to do all this? Or, you know, how did you figure that out? Yeah. Oh God. I had to do a ton of research. And then I, I mean, social media, obviously it, like most businesses now have to have a social media presence. So I immediately went to Instagram and I, I was just searching for, um, like keywords, charcuterie board and things like that. Um, and, I realized that there are other people out there that had recently started these businesses. There was one girl here in Austin um, that had started hers like six months before. So this was about a year ago. Um, this was April, 2020. And so I realized it was a thing and I was like, well, I guess, uh, you know, I could, I could do what they're doing and sell boards to, to maybe just friends and family at this point. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I got on Amazon. I looked up, I started with baking boxes, you know, like you think of those cupcake boxes and, um, I started creating boards within that. And then I reached out to other board makers, um, and kind of asked like where they got their supplies and, they gave me great ideas. We collaborated and um, I started reaching out to restaurant supply companies. So yeah, that's kind of how that all happened. And it took a lot of work. I would stay stay up in my room. I would, like I'd be trying to go to sleep, but I was like, the wheels were turning. I was like, I just need to need to make this happen. And so what does uh, the you know typical day in the life uh, of Emily look like now that you've kind of got all this stuff going on? I know you've got a side job at Oracle or whatever the case may be there, but, um, <laughs> the main what job. Does, yeah. The main job. What's it look like there? Yeah. So, um, I am a channel manager for, um, NetSuite. So I work for NetSuite. It's a subsidiary of Oracle and I help manage our largest partnership, um, with RSM. So really I'm taking, you know, zoom calls all day and I'm doing a lot of things behind the scenes, kind of like back in processes and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I, that comes first because I don't, I'm not doing this full-time media charcuterie. I'm not doing it full-time quite yet, but maybe in the future. Um, so yeah, I, I try to prioritize my main gig. Then I'll also, you know, I'll time block a lot of the time. And so during lunch, I try to plan and go, go on and check my emails and see if, if I got any new orders. And so then I will put those in my calendar. I'll contact, you know, the person that ordered the board or the workshop, whatever it may be. And then a lot of times, you know, I have to time block for social media because it takes up so much time. So, you know, you have to concentrate on engagement. You have to make sure that you're commenting on other people's posts. You have to respond back to all the messages and direct messages and whatnot. And so really that's just day to day. It's just keeping up with everything so that I don't get slammed or, you know, put behind later on. Yeah. What, what do you think is the hardest thing that you have to do on the day to day basis out of everything you just, you just laid out? I mean, is it purely time management or are there, you know, specific yeah. activities that are that are challenging sometimes? Definitely time management. That gets tough with a full-time job. And then this 
passion of mine. But then also like content creation, you have to schedule that out and taking the time to actually buy all of the materials, first of all. And then I have I have a closet full of stuff. Thankfully, my roommate was really kind and let me have our coat closet for all of my materials. Um, but I have boxes in there. I could show y'all at some point. It's crazy. But I have this like, it's called replica surfaces. And basically it looks like a marble slab. Um, and you can put this backdrop on it too. So it kind of creates an L. Um, you may have seen it. I don't know, but it's really for photography purposes. Mm -hmm. So I have to get that out. I have to make sure everything looks pretty and set it all up and then create a reel because right now Instagram's focusing so hard on Instagram reels. Um, and that's kind and of- And you have a reel that's blowing up right now, right? Yeah. And I've, it's crazy. It's crazy to watch and how hard Instagram is pushing for it. It's wild. Um, but yeah, it, it's gotten like 700,000 views. I'm like, I, it was so unexpected. So that's been pretty cool. Yeah, but it's good. It's good content though. So it makes sense why it blew up. Well, thank you. Appreciate of course. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so ahead. taking it back a little ways in your life, just to kind of figure out, you know, how you got to the point you're at now, uh, both yeah. you know, kind of just in general in life. Um, we like asking a few questions about you know, when you were younger, but first one is okay. when you were younger, when you were 12, let's say any age, but uh, sometime a long time ago, uh, what did you want to be? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. I don't think I've thought about this for a while, um, but I know when I was like four up until probably sophomore year of, of high school, I wanted to be a veterinarian. So that's why I went to AM in the first place. <laughs> and yeah, obviously that didn't happen, but that was a lot of schooling for me. And I'm not, I was never very good at school. <laughs> do you think, do you think anything in that dream of being a vet has helped mm -hmm. you today in, in what you do, like, you know, in, in, in the business world? Do you think, were there any skills throughout that process that maybe you took away? Yeah, I don't think I would have ever gone to A&M. I wouldn't have, oh, that's, I've really never thought it through like that. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I would have never gone to A&M. I got so many connections from going to A&M, including working at Oracle. It kind of, it's a domino effect. So yeah, you're absolutely right. I think if I, if I never wanted to be a vet, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today. <laughs> yeah. So obviously that was, that was a major milestone then, right? Going, going to yeah. A&M and, and, and that kind of set your trajectory. Have there been any other milestones post-college perhaps, maybe the pandemic and, you know, anything that shifted your focus even more and, 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 you know, narrowed your, your gaze upon a yeah. certain avenue? Yeah. Well, so we kind of hit on like A&M and, and that was definitely one of them. Graduating from Texas A&M was my lifelong dream since I was four, as you mentioned, um, the pandemic. And that's crazy because that's such a negative situation that turned positive in a mm -hmm. sense. And of course, we all have in the past year felt a lot of loss and whatever else. But if you think about it, there's also been a lot of growth and opportunity come from um, a really crappy year. So, um, yeah, the pandemic and then taking it back even further. Um, I grew up in a single mother household and she was working on teacher's salary. So I've been working since I was 14 and like helping her out. So I think that has just instilled hard work in me and I'll, I'll never 
I'll never go back. You know, like I, maybe one day I'll be a stay-at-home mom, but I'll always have to be doing something on the side, making money for myself. And I can't just lay on the couch all day. It's not my thing. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that what you do now, you know, having all of your, you know, different things going on at the same time, that definitely is yeah. a, a skill that you've started to build at such a young age, working at 14. So yeah. that's, that's incredible. You know, a, another f- kind of fun question that, that we like to ask is, um, you know, you, you get to have dinner, right. With, with two different people. Uh, but the twist is, is one of them is somebody that yeah. has, you know, passed away in the before somebody that's dead. And then one person that's currently living. So uh, who are your two choices and, and why are you picking them? Okay. I really wish I had an inspirational answer for this, but I don't. So here goes, but I've thought about this before. Lauren Conrad, I don't know if y'all remember her from the hills and Laguna Beach. <laughs> um, so she's kind of a reality star turned businesswoman. Um, she maintains her own lifestyle brand and has all of these amazing partnerships and she's just killing it. Um, but she's also a mother. I just think she's done a really great job. She holds herself. And I just respect her a lot. So I would love to meet her at one point. And then cliche. What, what my, question What question are you going to ask her if, if you have dinner with her? I mean, do you have like one question that you're just like dying to ask? That's so much pressure. I don't know. I would probably have to think about it for a very long time. I really just want to like hang out with her and listen to her story. I want to be like how y'all are with me right now asking questions. Mm-hmm. I just want to, I want her to just talk and talk and talk and tell me everything. First, I would probably ask her about her experience on the hills and all of that. And then we could get to the nitty gritty about her, her companies. I really uh, love her nonprofit, the little market. I really, um, I think that's amazing. So anyway, I would ask a lot about that as well. And then you said one person who's passed away. Yep. It can be anybody. It can go all the way back to, you know, before, before, you know, BC, like whatever you want. I mean, it could be anybody in history. Okay. Well, I feel like I should, I should say Jesus, but <laughs> not if you say it like that. Um, but I think this is cliche, but my grandma Williams, I didn't really get to know her very well. I was like 11 when she passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a lot of questions because I feel like I don't really know a lot about my lineage on my dad's side. Um, so I guess I could take a test for that, but it'd be cool to like face to face, ask her those questions. She's yeah. from Louisiana as well. And we have a lot of French ancestry. So I'm curious to know about that. Yeah, no, it's, it's kind of fun because everybody, you know, I, I feel like there's two different pools when it comes to that answer. There's, there's yeah. one who wants to go the family, uh, close friend route, um, which yeah. obviously is, is very touching and moving. And it, it's always right. awesome to hear why people want to do that. And then also, you know, there's the crazy person in history that did something yeah. like absolute absolutely wild. So it's always fun to kind of see what right. camp, uh, different like Harriet Tubman or some sort of president. I don't know. Yeah. Like, like when Luke asked me the question, um, a, a couple of episodes ago, I, I said, Ben Franklin, which looking back, like was probably not my best answer, but like in the <laughs> moment and I panicked, it's just who I, I went mean, with. I said, Elon it's just, Musk, that's so. a lot of pressure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is a lot of pressure and it just kind of catches There's you off guard, but you know, there. <laughs> you know what? There, there are billions of options actually. So Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I guess going a little bit, uh, you know, closer to the business, um, you know, mm-hmm. I just, you're doing a lot of things right now. It's probably not super easy uh, to manage all of it, but like, what would you say makes you successful at what you're doing now? Um, 
I put in the time and the work. Um, I'm really stubborn as well. So um, that helps because I don't really let myself rest or take a break without, you know, seeing something through. Um, And then I always think about my future self, kind of like, I know it's so, this is silly. I don't even think I've ever said this out loud, but I'm like, is my future self going to be mad at how I handle this right now? And, um, you know, am I as organized as I can be, or am I prepared as I can be to where my future self won't be upset, you know, with how I handle things. Um, so I guess I want to make things as easy as possible for my future self so that I'll thank me later, if that makes sense. That goes for every aspect of life, like finances, my business, you know, the, how I treat people, just all of those things. I don't, I don't think anyone wants to have regrets necessarily. I guess I think about that often how I hold myself. There's a great, uh, there's a great clip on YouTube of, uh, Joe Rogan talking about how he kind of has like the mentality where he pretends like a film crew is following him. And it's like, if you went, if your future self watched the video that they're recording right now, would they be happy? And that's kind of like exactly what, what you were talking about. Like, you know, when I look back at at what I'm doing right now, is is it the right thing? And am I happy? And, you know, I think, based on, you know, just talking to you, you working on your, on your business and, and doing things like that. I think your future self will be, will, will be happy Thank with you. you. So I yeah, hope absolutely. so. Yeah. I, I guess that like the mentality that ties into that, like, I, I guess, you know, goes hand in hand. I don't want to have regrets later of, you know, what could have been either. Um, so if I'm starting a business, I'm going to give it 110% so that, you know, if things happen to not work out, I'm, I'm not like, you know, what could I have done better? Uh, how could I have actually seen it all the way through? So anyway, are you a big goal setter? Goal setter? Yeah. Do you, is that, I mean, how do you kind of justify what you're doing now, you know, in, in, in approaching your, like in your future self, like how do you, how do you measure yeah. that going forward? Well, yeah, I am a big planner. So I see a big picture of what I want in the future, which would ideally be a storefront. And so a lot of times I don't really know how to get there. um, And I kind of just fly by the seat of my pants occasionally. But as far as like week by week goes, I plan out my weeks like on a Sunday. I don't know what's going to happen like next month. I need to get better at that, you know, because I think you can have like a very short term plan, like a week long plan. And then I should, I need to get better about having like a month long plan or like what's going to happen in six months and things like that. I think, yeah, I have like the very start of it. I need to get in the, I need to get better about all the stuff that happens in between. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And so you mentioned, you know, regret being a big part of kind of the way that you motivate yourself. You know, you don't want to look back on something, you know, and regret doing it or, you know, more often not doing it. And one of the biggest things that we've seen among the people we've talked to, um, you know, that they're watching out for is, is trying to avoid failures uh, and how failure yeah. can be one of those things that leads to people not doing things and then regretting not doing them. Are there any like major failures that you've had that you, you know, are happy happened or, you know, at least you'd be willing to share with us uh, either in your business or otherwise? <laughs> sure. Um, well, so a lot of it, 
there's been so many failures uh, based on time management with me. I think like being late just runs in my family. And so that has been huge. We talked about time management and how that's been like my biggest struggle that goes for like every aspect of my life. So, but owning this business has gotten since these are clients and I don't want to lose them and I don't want to give myself a bad name or my business a bad name. I've gotten so much better about time management, but that has been like an ongoing learning process. So the first workshop I ever, I think I've done like 20 to 30 workshops in person and probably about 10. No, probably about, I want to say like 15 to 16 uh, virtual workshops and virtual. It's all, it's easy. I can be on time. That's great. The first workshop I ever did was in Georgetown and it was my sorority sister's mom. And so I was like, Oh, she's great. She's so kind. Like, it's okay if I'm a little late. Well, so there's a lot of prep that goes into this whole thing. It's kind of like, I, I bring all of the platters. I bring all the materials. I lay everything out, all of the food. So they, and accoutrements. So it's like the charcuterie, the cheese, etc. Everybody gets up in a line and it's just buffet style. I take over the entire kitchen. So prep, like slicing cheeses and everything else takes at least an hour and a half to two hours, depending on how many people I'm trying to feed. And so anyway, I showed up probably 30 minutes before everybody was going to get there. I didn't have any platters at that point. And so that's why after that, I went to Party City and I just like stocked up. But I I failed so hard. And she was so sweet and showed me so much grace because that's just the kind of person she was. And she let me borrow all of her platters, all of her utensils. I was about an hour behind schedule. So like they had their little happy hour and chatted for an hour waiting for me to get set up. So it was embarrassing in the moment, but thankfully I was working with really nice people. So anyway, big learning lesson there. What did you take away from that though? Like what, what has been like the, the practice that you've put in place to avoid a situation like that? Uh, so yeah, I'm planning better, planning more efficiently. I said I'm a planner a minute ago and that's not always been the case. So I think because of this business, I've become a planner and sometimes it drives people crazy. Like people close to me, they're like, you don't have to plan every little aspect of your life. And I'm like, well, it's bit me in the butt before. So that's why I do it now. And then time blocking has been huge. So just balancing my corporate job in this, I, and the communication as well. Communication goes for any relationship, whether it be business or romantic or friendships, whatever communication's key. So always staying in touch with my clients and making sure that we're on the same page. They they know the expectations and I know the expectations they have for me and all those things. So I think yeah. broadly speaking, time blocking and communication. Yeah. So, you know, over the course of, of the pandemic, we've definitely seen the the food and entertainment industry change. And, you know, I, I definitely think that that's, you know, like you said, that that's your niche, that's your focus. So, you know, where, because of what has happened, where's the industry headed in the future? What's, what's going to stay the same? Um, What's going to change? So I really think that um, the board building business is on the up and up. Um, It's become just a booming industry. There, there's so many creators online now. Um, It's pretty wild. And it's really cool to see all of the creators from all over the country and the world um, continue to expand their business and kill it. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier, Summer, you know, I will someday I want my own storefront, but people are already doing that. 
So some are kind of more focused on selling the individual boards and they, they start that from their home and then they move to a commercial kitchen because you have to be within all of, you know, the legal guidelines or what is it? Yeah. Well, there's uh, like rules and conditions. And- yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of regulation around food prep and whatnot. So being in a commercial kitchen is key if you are selling individual boards to the public. You know, that it's different if you're selling to friends and family, but there are rules around that depending on your state. So anyway, a lot of times they're doing bulk orders within a commercial kitchen or a lot of them have transitioned more to like a workshop type structure, kind of like myself, because I, I don't have um, connections with a commercial kitchen at this point. And I definitely want to stay legal. So I've, I've kind of switched my focus to doing virtual workshops and in-home workshops, as well as corporate workshops. So yeah, I, I really think it's amazing to watch. And I think it's going to continue because you're always going to need to bring a platter to a party or people are always going to entertain and have, you know, friends and family over to their house. And so people say, is it just a fad? But I don't think it is. I think it's an art form as well. So with art, there's always, you know, new innovations and new ideas. So I think you just got to tap into it. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of feel like one of the things that, you know, maybe people really like about your approach to the business is like that personal touch, right? Since you're like leading mm-hmm. the workshops and, and you're there, how do you keep that vibe and that connection with your customers? If you go to the commercial, you know, setting where you're mass producing these boards, how do you, you know, keep your, your like little magic dust on it? Yeah, that's a good question. I think social media presence is key. So you just have to stay uh, engaged with your, with your online folks. Because if you're just in the commercial kitchen all day, every day, and you probably have at that point, you're definitely, you have a third party doing your deliveries, um, then you're not face-to-face with your customers. And so, um, and you're working through an app or some sort of, you know, I guess, automated system to take orders. So with me, it's all very personal. I'm texting them. I'm, it's not automated by any means, but I I would love to get it that way at some point because it definitely takes so much time to be doing all of that manually. But yeah, it does. It's kind of sad to think of it like that because you would lose kind of the the face-to-face connection with customers. But maybe that's why I love the idea of having a storefront someday. Well, okay. So let's say you're not allowed, or let's say you start your storefront and then you're Mm -hmm. like, okay, I want to move on, but you can't come back to charcuteries or any other food and beverage. You have to start a different business and you have all the time and money in the world. What would you start? Oh my gosh. I would probably start a dog rescue center. Yes. Well, that's very admirable. (laughs) Thanks. I would get like, because I adopted my dog from a ranch outside of Houston, and I would probably do that sort of thing where it was like a big plot of land. And maybe I would do dogs first and then kind of make it into like a animal rescue, like a full-blown like kangaroos and all of those kind of things. Yeah, because I guess that kind of <laughs> circles back to uh, to you, like your vet roots. My and vet. Yeah. Yeah, you're like your <laughs> yeah, your vet dreams. Then you can, you know, basically have a zoo. So that makes sense. So cool. Yes, be amazing. I'd have every single animal ever. Well, there you go. So you you create this this epic charcuterie business with all of these, you know, storefronts and your your commercial. You're out there making it happen, and A and M asks you 
to come back and give the commencement speech. Um, do you guys do it in your, do you guys do it in the football stadium? Kyle field, right? Probably now. I think I've seen that online with COVID, but we, okay. So massive arena. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So massive stadium. You're standing up there on the jumbotron. What are three pieces of advice that you're giving to, uh, to all the kids that, you know, are sitting in the same chair that, you know, you sat in. Okay. So I think number one, don't let your parents or anyone else tell you that you're tethered to the first job that you get out of college because that is ultimately an antiquated lie. Um, I guess maybe their generation believes that because I don't know. I don't know why they believe that. They just security for, for like their their first job. They settled for that. They settled for their first love. They settled like big time for most things. No offense to. Oh, man. <laughs> so yeah, you can't settle for anything. You know, if you're unhappy, you change it. You have literally the power to change your, you know, you have the control of your happiness. Like you can only control what you can control. And I know, of course, there's things like death and sad things that happened, the freaking pandemic that are out of our control. But ultimately, like your happiness, it's up to you. So do whatever the hell you want. And um, don't ever believe that you need to be miserable working in corporate America either. You can find a nice job with flexible hours, with good pay. There are a lot of options out there. So don't sell yourself short. Um, so that is the end of number one. Number two, um, make money, but never forget what you're passionate about. And if you don't know what you're passionate about, then just keep trying to figure it out because it might come to you later in life and that's okay. But Tap into whatever it is that you're passionate about, whether it be food and you just like to go out to eat all the time because that's kind of my, like, I love food. Then do that and try to make money so that you can support that passion. Okay, so that's number two. And then adopt a dog because that will make your life a lot happier in the end. I think that that is the first time we've ever had a uh, an action or a command given as one of the... Uh, as one of the as one of the three uh, the three drops, so that's a that's a new twist, but that's a that's a good answer. <laughs> yeah, well, that's my advice to you. Take it or leave it. There you go. So the the last question that that we want to ask is is my personal favorite. It's growing on Luke, but just simply, why are you an entrepreneur? Well, uh, I love that y'all ask this to everybody. I think it's very cool. I am an entrepreneur personally because my passion turned into my side hustle and then it, that turned into a full-blown business uh, that I believed in. And then I got other people on board and they pushed me and they believed in me and I had a lot of their support. And so, you know, when you have something that keeps you up at night, when your wheels are turning and you're trying to go to sleep, you don't really have the option to ignore it because, you know, I wouldn't have all of these creative juices flowing without reason. I, I would be doing myself a disservice not to tap into it. So you just have to chase it and then see what can transpire. And then really in the end, it, how, you know, it might sound cliche, but you'll be transformed by all your failures and all your successes. And then you can look back and you say, well, damn, I did that myself. And look what I have to show for it. I have a thriving business. If it isn't a thriving business, then start over. And that's it. Well, that's great. Mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs>
Well, thank you so much, Emily, for hopping on with us. Um, it was great catching up with you. Um, I think this is the time where Peyton asks you to drop your socials. Yeah, drop drop those socials. Where uh, where can everybody you know learn more about you and your business? And uh, you know what kind of what kind of content are you putting out there for the people? Yeah, so I'm M E D Charcuterie on Instagram. It's E M I D E Charcuterie C H A R C U T E R I E. It's pronounced charcuterie. It's a French word, um, but I won't get into that. So anyway, MED Charcuterie, uh, that is on Instagram and Facebook. And then if you need to place an order, you can DM me on either one of those or medcharcuterie at gmail.com. And uh, I plan to have a website coming this year. It's on my New Year's resolution list. So got to get to that. And then it would just be medcharcuterie.com. That will be TBD. That'll be in the next few months. Boom. So big things ahead. Yes, hopefully. All right. Well, Emily, thank you so much for coming on. And, uh, you know, yeah. we're, we're, we're excited to, to have you in the, uh, in the real venture community and family now. And we're looking forward to, to seeing all your success in the Thanks. future. Am I the first girl? You are the woman? first girl. First wow. Woman. Yeah. I'm so, honored. Thanks for having go. me all. Of course. Thanks for crushing it. All right, guys, if you want to continue this discussion, follow us on our social media. Our Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebooks will all be in the description of this episode. Hop on there, shoot us a DM, hit us up with whatever concerns, questions, comments that you guys have. We'd love to uh, to continue to build that community on there. Next, subscribe to wherever you listen, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Amazon, uh, Overcast, you name it, we got it. We also have a YouTube channel now. So hop over there and subscribe to us. All the clips that we post on social media will be there as well, plus uh, you know a couple little extra ones for, uh, for the real fans out there. So we appreciate you guys. Next, please leave a rate and a five-star review. It helps us out tremendously because of you guys' support, we already cracked the top 150 for business and entrepreneur podcasts, and I think that we can crack the top 100 here real soon with your guys' continued support. Lastly, reach out to us if you're a young entrepreneur and you'd like to share your story on the podcast. We'd be more than happy to ask you some questions because we know that it's going to be a great learning experience for us. 